Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wrestle Talk Roundtable. I really wanted to put a W in front of Roundtable for like, you know, two W's, but we're avoiding it because we all spell here properly. Um, we're here because it's now been one year of Wrestle Talk magazine, the first of many years of Wrestle Talk magazine here. And uh, my name is Kenny McIntosh. I have incriminating photos on everyone on this call, which is why I get to lead it. And uh, not because I'm the most talented, because I'm actually the least of the group. But um, I don't go away, and I persist, and that's been my what's got me where I, to where I am. So we're going to go around everybody and uh, and say hi, and just kind of talk a little bit about uh, how we found the first year of the magazine, um, our involvement, that kind of stuff. Just so in case you read the magazine, you go through it, and you don't really look at who writes what, you can kind of get a feel for who they are. So me, I'll go first because, you know, I'm hosting it. Um, my name is Kenny. I ran Inside the Ropes for about five years, and I've weaseled Inside the Ropes into the magazine so that the interviews that I do, whether it's uh, I'm in America doing something with somebody or I'm on a live tour with somebody, uh, we do we do an interview and we put it in WrestleTalk magazine. We've had guys like Joe Hendry. Um, we've had uh, Colt Cabana in this latest issue. Um, whoever's around and it's topical, we have an interview with them and uh, it seems to fit in quite well with the magazine. But... Up next, I'm going to hand it over to Mr. Greg Lambert himself, who did not pay to get on this call. He's here on Merit. Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Kenny. I'm, I'm quite perturbed about these incriminating photos that you've got. I can't imagine what they might be. Oh, you just... But, uh, you can only imagine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tell, tell people a little bit about what you, you know, your contribution to WrestleTalk magazine so far, how you found the first year, and how you got involved. Well, uh, I was I was asked by Alex Shane initially to uh, come on board and do some writing for WrestleTalk magazine. I think I think for issue three from memory, and from there I, I've become more involved with WrestleTalk as a whole, uh, working, doing some things on the YouTube channel, uh, helping to edit the website, and doing a little bit more writing for WrestleTalk. Over the uh, for the magazine over the past the past couple of issues, 
And yeah, I think the magazine's going from strength to strength. And you know, I think, think this issue, issue six that's just come out now is uh, I particularly like because it's really kind of summing up where we are in a real kind of halcyon era for, for British wrestling, I think. Yeah, definitely a big part of uh, of this issue, issue number six. Um, up next, we're talking to Andy Datson. Andy, you're part of the Wrestle Talk team. Um, you've been you've contributed to the magazine so far, uh, and also part of the website. Tell people a little bit about you and how you got involved. So, well, pretty much, I just uh, I just emailed James until uh, until he uh, he let me write. Really, um, just just endless stream of emails. But uh, yeah, no, James got in touch with me early this year um, when we were really kind of trying to get the the website up and running properly. Um, I've got a background in uh, in sort of sports journalism and, and journalism as a whole, so um, I was uh, I've, I was sort of put on the kind of editing team. Um, and yeah, we've just been going from uh, from strength to th- strength. I think uh, we've started pretty small, but uh, have built up a, a team of sort of solid writers and solid editors. So uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good. And uh, I uh, I wrote sort of I write the uh, kind of raw previews and SmackDown previews every week. So um, for a couple of the issues, I've done the kind of the raw and SmackDown SmackDown kind of roundups. So uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. And uh, I'm generally just the uh, the bane of James's life. So. Um, I so, think he likes me for that. <laughs> so do you have, do you have to stay up and watch Raw live every single week? Um, sometimes, yeah. So I do. I do often do the the kind of Law Law uh, the Raw live coverage and the SmackDown live coverage. Um, so yeah, no, uh, I uh, I don't know why I do that, but um, James kind of sort of smiles at me a bit and uh, and winks, and then uh, and then I, I forget where I am and I'm that I'm doing Raw. We'll not delve any further. Um, no. So. I guess the thing is when you're when you're in, especially in the UK and you think about wrestling magazines and you know there's there's a lot of nods in this magazine to this particular man's uh, work. Um, it is Finn Martin. Finn, I guess the question everybody knows who you are from Power Slam, but um, you're now part of Wrestle Talk magazine. Can you talk a little bit about how you became involved with it and how that how you came to that decision to to accept being a part of it and how you found the first year of the mag. Uh, well, James asked me to write for it. You know, he knew I'd done an article or two in the past. So uh, he thought I might be up to up for the challenge. So I uh, started with issue one and uh, my contributions have increased with each passing issue. And I think I did nine pages this month. I think that was my most today, possibly. I could be wrong about that. James, I'm sure, will correct me if I am. And so he should as the editor. Um so, yeah, I've enjoyed working for the magazine. It's um, for me, I, I, you know, obviously I closed Power Slam in July of 2014. I didn't really envisage ever returning to writing for another wrestling magazine again. Um, and when WrestleTalk magazine was launched, and I was asked to do it. I was thinking, well, it's been over four years since I'd written for a magazine. Uh, why not give it a give it a shot and see where it goes? So, yeah, I'm very pleased that the magazine has um gone as far as it's gone uh, in terms of um content uh and in terms of i think visibility as well i think more people than ever are aware of it now uh i'm sure james will uh will correct me if, if i'm wrong about this i know when he put asker on the cover back in february after she won the raw rumble i think that was a and uh that was a huge thing for the magazine because she did she put it on instagram James, is that right? 
she, she did. She did it on Twitter, in fact. Yeah. Twitter. So I think that was a real boon for the magazine, uh, and that let a lot of people know about the magazine who weren't previously aware that it existed. Um, and yeah, I'm excited uh, to see where it goes in future. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people felt when it launched that it needed to be in the shops. Um, and I think the fact that it's here six issues in nearly a year later and is still going strong or going from strength to strength, as other people have said, uh, is proof that it does not need to be in WH Smiths. And we do not need to be paying those prices and we do not need to have a visibility uh, on the shelves in order to make a magazine a success in 2018. There you go. And uh, we're going to go over to the editor, the editor who has, you know, uh, not put me in the contributing part of the contents page, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, we'll, 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 we'll move on from that. The editor of Wrestle Talk magazine for the first year, uh, James Dixon. You Now, you've obviously, people know you from the Titan books and all this kind of stuff. It's a pretty big venture and a risky move in t- 2017, 2018 to, to start a magazine, you know, and especially in the kind of modern day. Can you talk a little bit about starting it and the decision to do it? bringing the guy the guys on board to it and how you feel now one year in well sorry about the whole credits thing but it's funny isn't it for one thing um in terms of the mag yeah it's one of those things i you like i grew up with magazines specifically finn's rather excellent magazine um and I think we're both kind of saddened that these things don't exist in the same numbers that they used to. You know, print media in general is struggling and wrestling print media in particular. There's, there's not a great deal left anymore. So that was one of the motivators for me was I remember growing up and looking forward every month to when the magazines and other magazines as well would arrive and learning about things I, I didn't know about and, you know, getting a different perspective on things. And sometimes just to agree or disagree with the things that I thought you know it was always interesting to see what somebody else thought because I mean back then not many people were really talking about wrestling amongst my particular social circle so it was another it was almost like having somebody to talk to about it in the sense that you'd actually just read about it you know it was it was it was a, a different kind of time I mean I and I love those times and I, I know we've had a lot of conversations about this where you feel the same way and I thought it'd be really nice to keep that going. And wrestling magazines, there's something special about them. You can you can hold them, you can flick through them, you know, you can go back to them. And you just can't do that with the internet. You know, everything just blows in the wind and disappears so quickly. And I think having that tangible product just makes it so much better. You know, because a, we- a website article, it's there for a day, it's there for two days, it disappears. We all move on to something else where if it's in print, it's immortalized forever. And that's kind of what I was going for, you know, like, keeping a generation of wrestling fans that miss power slam and miss wrestling print media, like keeping that alive for them and getting the guys on board. Finn and Greg were obvious choices. You know, they were Greg obviously wrote a lot for power slam as well. He's got books of his own, which are very successful and, you know, very well received. So I think we've built up a fantastic team here and, and you as well. <laughs> well, how lovely to how get lovely. me at the end there. Um, when, how, how important was it really to get Finn uh, to, to get Finn involved? I mean, obviously with with Greg too, not to diminish Greg, but with Finn, it's like because when you read the magazine, there is a lot of kind of homage to Power Slam and the kind of style, um, and I think that's one of the great things about it is that whether you're a new 
magazine reader or you read Power Slam back in the day, there is that kind of nice feel to it. How important was it to have Finn be involved? Oh, I mean, massively. You know, it was... I mean, as Finn says, he's he's doing more and more each time. What he doesn't realise is I'm slowly just making him write the whole thing. Um, so so I've just got Power Slam back just with a different name that I can read. So I've let him in on that one now. But crafty, yeah, it, it was it was really important because you know it adds a credibility that that we might not have otherwise had. You know, you've got somebody who's been in the wrestling magazine industry for I won't say how long, Finn. But for a long time, so and and that people associate with and 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 have known and have grown up reading. So I think part of it was a small part of it was nostalgia for people who miss Power Slam. But then there was you know I find Finn's writing absorbing and engaging and and interesting, and I love to hear his very unique opinions on things. So he's a he's a huge asset to the magazine. So, I mean, I guess we should talk a little bit about issue six, which is the newest issue that's out there. There's a big kind of focus on British wrestling in this issue, which obviously there would be because British wrestling is 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 booming so much and there's so many different parts to it. But Greg, I wanted to ask you, um, it's kind of related to British wrestling, but in, as part of the new issue, you do various things where you uh, remember Vader, uh, you look at um, a classic rivalry, but also you you reviewed NXT as part of this. And I just kind of wondered, with NXT having so many guys from the British scene coming in over the last couple of years, I mean, with NXT UK now coming in, how do you feel that NXT and, and what they're doing with it is affecting the British wrestling scene or will affect it? Is it going to have even more of an effect than it does? Where do you kind of look at it right now in the landscape? Um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say at this stage whether it's going to be a positive thing or a negative thing. I think it really depends on your perception. I think if you're a wrestling fan, you, you can't see it as anything but a positive thing. The fact that you're going to have, you know, all this high quality British wrestling that's going to be readily available on, on various, you know, platforms, whether it's the WWE network or whether in the case of WOS wrestling, it's on ITV uh, and, and, you know, just been announced over the past week, you've got, you know, Revolution Pro on Free Sports, PCW, which which I'm involved with on on the Fight Network, and and you know I think I think the NXT, the NXT is is um, yeah it's it's obviously a major 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 part of that. I think if you're if you're a promoter or a booker, you know with with some of the I don't know some of the the, the restrictions that have been placed on some of the talent, you, you might look at it in a slightly different perspective. In terms of you know, are, are guys who work for NXT UK going to be available for my wrestling promotion in future? And I think some bookers and promoters have already experienced that. So, yeah, very very much a, um, depends depends very much which side of the fence you sit. But I think the one the one thing is is that you know, 15 years ago there was only a handful. You could probably count on one hand the number of British wrestlers that were working for major promotions. Like, you know, obviously I include NXT as that. And, and now it's like it's happening all the time. And that, that's great. It's really, really great. I've just watched this week's episode with uh, Pete Dunne in the main event and, and Nikki Cross doing a hilarious backstage promo. And, and that's just two. And, you know, you, you, you could you could now list, was it 40, 50 who work for whether it's NXT UK or WOS or Impact? You know, it's it's you know, Ring of Honor as well. It's it's absolutely amazing that the era that we're living in compared to how it was fifteen years ago. Yeah. I mean you can't really beat Nikki Cross just shouting on a rooftop. It's uh it's 
quite the scene. I once I, I once saw her cut a promo on a moving car while she was uh, recording outside uh, the garage in Glasgow for ICW, and she went absolutely ballistic on this car driving past while she daring to interrupt her while she was having a rant. <laughs> and that was about five years ago, and you just knew back then she was going to be she was really going to stand out and yeah she's she's absolutely brilliant on nxt i think um, and also one of the other things in, in issue six that you wrote about was the classic matches of yesteryear and you focused on big daddy and giant haystacks it kind of got me thinking a little bit when i was reading it um you know about that and about how we've moved on and where we are now and, and you know we've got things like progress running the wembley arena we've got world of sport on tv um in terms of like a modern in modern wrestling, I mean, is it something that we could get to a point again where you have, because we, you know, like my mum or something like that. Well, I mean, my mum unfortunately knows the entire history of the World Wrestling Federation because I'm her child, and she had no choice. But most people in their maybe fifties or whatever, they can name Big Daddy or they can name somebody that they saw on TV on ITV when they were younger. Do you think it can get back to a point where it's that kind of household thing again, or would it be? a different way that it happens given how people consume entertainment how do you think it could end up i think it's already starting to happen uh, and that's just from having conversations with with people you know whether it's people that i know or you know just down the pub last night i had two people come up to me and say oh yeah i've been watching that wos wrestling and and they can already list uh, uh, you know the names of two or three of the, the people who are involved and uh, yes, on Tuesday, I went with uh, Justin Sison, who's one of the WS wrestlers, to the Manchester Children's Hospital. And he was getting stopped, you know, in, in, in the corridors by staff and, and, and parents who recognised him. So I don't think it's quite it's not it's not on the level of a big daddy or a giant haystacks who, like you say, nearly 40 years on. You, you you ask most people of a certain age and those are the two names they will rattle off. And, you know, they were on, uh, you know, children's television programs when there was only three TV channels and and therefore that's what made them, you know, household names and, and chat shows and what have you. Uh, it'll be very difficult to, to get that level of notoriety because there's so many channels these days. Just being on ITV doesn't necessarily make you a, a mainstream superstar. But there's all it's. I can already see it starting to happen, to to a you know to a certain extent. I think you know the, these a lot of the British wrestlers who are involved will definitely benefit from it uh, in terms of being able to get extra personal appearances and other opportunities outside wrestling. The question is whether that's going to be a short-term thing or a long-term thing, and that'll be determined, I think, by whether it gets a second series and a third series, etc. Yeah, for sure. And Andy, I want to ask you, you know, with being involved with the website and stuff like that, you know, you, and you were saying earlier you cover Raw and SmackDown and, and things like that. And, yeah. and I think what I've noticed anyway in terms of social media is there is a, 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 a section of the audience who are growing very tired of the format of WWE's weekly TV shows. You know, they might still have great pay-per-view matches. There might still mm. be really fun characters. But, you know, three hours on a Monday, two hours on a Tuesday. And it's a, it's a bit formulaic in some ways. Are you noticing... Um, when you're covering this and you're interacting with people on social media or on the WrestleTalk website in the comments, has the interest waned in WWE's weekly TV shows in the last six months, say? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's kind of, you're sort of, you're sort of watching it and you kind of, you, I'm part of what I do is trying to interact with fans uh, as much as possible, like putting out like polls and things about what they think of the show, uh, you know, as, as Ollie does on his, on his weekly reviews. Um, but 
every time you post something, if if you if you dare to to check the comments, um, people are increasingly frustrated. Um, it's it's more the fact that we're just seeing often we're just seeing the same matches week week in week out. Um, whether it's the riot squad taking on Bailey and uh, Sasha, or if it's uh, AOP taking on uh, whoever it is they're taking up to Titus Worldwide, um, people are getting incredibly tired of it. That you, you you can see that they're much preferring SmackDown. Everyone is kind of much happier during SmackDown, just because it's it's an hour shorter, um, and people sort of say that SmackDown, although it's only an hour short, it just feels a lot shorter. Um, because you're not seeing the same things every week. Um, and I think that is that thing where people just generally are having shorter, shorter attention spans. Um, uh, and and what also doesn't help is, is WWE's sort of insistent uh, insistence on just having ad breaks every sort of eight seconds, um, which doesn't really help people's, people's kind of happiness. Um, but yeah, no, there, there's certainly been a, particularly the last six months when i started doing it people were much more tolerant um but it particularly in the last month or two i've noticed that people are getting really quite quite tired of the product which uh which and, and you can't blame them a lot of the time um particularly when there's so much better well not i'm going to say better but so much uh else to watch i mean there's new japan there's roh there's wos now on itv people just have so many more options now um that watching WWE isn't isn't the same as it used to be. And Finn, you know, you 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 had the the, the daunting task of having to rewatch Extreme Rules, which I wouldn't wish on, on anyone. Um <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you because obviously when you were running Power Slam and you know it used to feel like when a WWF pay-per-view was on or WWE pay-per-view was on and they were monthly, it was an event. You know, people had to watch it, they were, you know, talking about it. It was 3 hours, you know, it was ton of stuff happened and then with extreme rules you know you're talking nearing five hours if you include the pre-show and you know there's a gimmick to the name and people seem to be really down on it i mean what are the biggest differences that you can sort of find in a modern day wwe pay-per-view like that compared to say you know 15 years ago when you'd be covering it for power slam and everybody wanted to talk about every element of a wwe or wwf show uh, I don't really know how to answer that, Kenny. It's because uh, I mean, in the old days, it's like you've got the rose-colored glasses. Oh, they were re- these. All the events were really good in the old days. Well, no, they weren't. Lots of them were terrible. Um, so, and lots of events that were even when they were only three hours, you would watch them and you think, "Wow, I can't believe that I just sat through that." And then you write it up and you think, "What am I going to write about this show that I haven't already written the, the previous month and about another pay-per-view?" Um, so I think now generally the standard of the of the wrestling is better. I think most people would agree with that. Um, it's it's a different, you know, the, the the acts today are far more athletic than they've than they've ever been. I think that's fair to say. But the characters aren't developed as well. Um, the storylines don't grip you like the like many of them used to. You know, I wouldn't say all of them. Because you, know, you can go back to like 95 and how, think, how terrible things were then. And even if you go to 98, uh, the, you know, the peak of the Attitude Era or when the Attitude Era was on the rise, some of the events that WWF put out that year, the standard of the wrestling was just garbage. I mean, you had Austin basically carrying the thing. You had Austin, Rock, 
Mankind and a few others that would have good matches. And the rest of the show, it would be filler matches and the fans wouldn't really be that into them because they were there to see the stars like DX and Sable, obviously. <laughs> you know, So you look at it now, it's, it's, I think generally you're gonna, you do get better matches than you used to. I mean, uh, but the characters aren't as well developed in many cases uh, and the storylines, not as much attention goes into the storylines. Obviously, all the promos are scripted word for word, so they don't generally resonate or uh, have the impact of promos of the days of yore. So it's a it's a different product. Um, and in some ways, it, I think it's better than it was, but in other ways, it's not. And I always think with wrestling, the real proof is in how it's remembered. And it'll be interesting a year or two or three years from now or five years from now, as we look back on 2018 and will we remember it as a golden period? Uh, and I think that's the real test. And, you know, SummerSlams only took place a few weeks ago and I'm already having difficulty remembering parts of that show. And I don't think that's because I'm now 48 years of age. I think that's because a lot of that show didn't really imprint itself on memory because it wasn't, the matches were good but the stories didn't really grab you. Um, and there were a lot of, and also the show was too long, there was too many matches on it, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's how people view wrestling today. They think, well, yeah, athletically it is very strong and, and there's lots of tremendous moves and uh, there's lots of things about it that are very exciting, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't stay with you. It doesn't, you know, the stories don't linger and the characters don't linger with you and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't linger in the mind's eye like the wrestling of of many years ago. So I think that's the difference between now and uh, the wrestling of say the late the late nineties or even the early two thousands. There you go. And you you, make, you mentioned SummerSlam there. About to do a really beautiful segue. Watch this one. So you mentioned SummerSlam there, James. You wrote about SummerSlam '92 in the magazine, um, and how that that's, took that's impressive, Matt. That's very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'd be I'd been working on that, but um, yeah. you, you you talked about SummerSlam '92. I mean, there's the sub, SummerSlam '92 is like a double-edged sword because it was so great, but the amount of people that bang on about you know it needs to happen again, right? Like if anything, like so I remember when the Toronto thing was announced, and I put a tweet out, but you know, Toronto was a fun market that would be good, and there was like 25 replies of why is it not in London, you know, and that's <laughs> like the, the kind of. You, you you can logistically say you know well you know it's it would cost them millions and millions to get these trucks over and you know you, it would need to be the right time blah blah but that doesn't matter they don't want to know but SummerSlam '92 happened uh, in 1992 uh, in the UK it, up until I think was it 2016 with the Dallas WrestleMania that was the official or the real biggest attended WWE show ever I think yeah. it was yeah I think it still is actually because that number was heavily kayfabe but okay um, so. SummerSlam 92, you kind of look back on it now. So I guess a couple of questions about it. Um, mm. How is it looking back on it now, uh, watching it from an editorial point of view rather than a I want to have that green foam finger um, <laughs> point of view? And also, you know, the last couple of years has been all this stuff. ICW had that huge event at the, the Hydro uh, where they had like five, 6,000 people progressing and doing their big show. Are we leading up to another big uh, WWE show in the UK again 
Um, I mean, I'll answer the second question first. Um, I don't think we're leading to another big WWE show over here because I don't think anyone in England is going to pay them that kind of money to come over and do it. And I don't think they're going to do it on their own bat. You know, it's very different to the Saudi Arabia thing, which is obviously in the news again at the moment where they're getting paid to go over there and do this crazy big show. Same with Australia. You know, over here, there's nobody going to pay them to come and run Wembley. And if they don't do it on their own, you know, off their own bat, somebody else may well. Like maybe not Wembley, but all in too could that be in england it's not impossible you know could ring of honor and new japan try and do a joint show over here i mean both have already tested the waters in recent months with with their own tours over here or kind of so you know it's i think it's possible that somebody will try something i i don't know whether it'll necessarily be wwe i mean and obviously if wos takes off to the same level as it was in the 80s and before that you know you know, in the golden era of that, then, hey, who knows? The sky's the limit for that. So I, I do think something will happen one day. And I think if there's rumblings of it happening, then WWE will jump in and do it themselves, you know, as as they tend to do. Um, but I mean, you're right. Leave leave it where it is, though. Like that Wembley show is so good because it hasn't been ruined with another one. You know, you remember when Saturday night's uh, main event came back and it was just awful. It was like, well, that was kind of, you know, that kind of sucked. And do you think if they were going to do, if they were going to do something again in the, U- if they were going to do like a big UK show, because obviously the first one, the Bulldog was such a big part of why that was so yeah, successful. Yeah. Do they need yeah. someone like that again for it to be more of an impetus to do it? I don't think so. I mean, it's it's very different, I guess now because the brand's the star rather than anybody specifically. So I think if they. If they came over here and did a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania or whatever it was at Wembley, they'd they would sell it out, you know, fairly easily. I would suggest at a high ticket price. Like they could do it. It's just, as you say, not particularly cost effective for them to do it. But who knows? They change their mind on a whim. Triple H keeps hinting at doing it when he talks. You know, he keeps dangling that carrot for UK wrestling fans of, oh yeah, maybe one day there'll be a WrestleMania and. It was reported a few months back, or maybe a few weeks back, actually, that they were talking about doing multiple WrestleManias in 2020 for us to all look forward to. So so maybe they'll just do a WrestleMania in each country or each continent or some crazy scheme for this global localization nonsense. We'll so wait, see. Wait, wait, wait. Does that, does that mean, like, multiple WrestleManias in one day? Or, like, as in, like, no, hey, a WrestleMania no, every month? In, yeah, WrestleMania every every month or a couple of months or whatever. Yeah, WrestleMania, the greatest WrestleMania and WrestleMania UK and all that kind of. I stuff, mean, I feel so. like I feel like you you will you will love this reference. If anybody who's listening to this has watched Frasier, then if less is more, imagine how much more <laughs> more can be. Well, with a, with I mean, that, and that's Vince's mentality all over and always has been, isn't it? So, but in terms of to go back to your original question about SummerSlam '92, it's. It's not a good wrestling show for the most part. The main events, the two main events carry it through. Um, but for a nostalgic fan like myself, it was great to revisit. Um, objectively, two of the matches are excellent. The Warrior and Savage is really, really good. The story with Flair and Perfect is really, really good. But it gets overlooked because of how good the, the Bulldog and Brett match is. Um, but there's plenty of good stuff on there. There's plenty of entertainment. It's really nice to see that huge crowd in an era when they'd stopped doing huge crowds you know so yeah it, it was still 
I recommended it in the end. I said it is still worth watching, and and I stand by that. You know, I think, especially in the in '92, to have a, a show like a WWF pay per view with two great matches on was such a rarity that it can't be anything other than a than a thumbs up. You know. So I'm going to kind of open this question up to anybody who wants to answer it. So this could be a free for all. But something that I find quite interesting is that, uh, you know. Greg, you were talking about the idea that, you know, there's all these uh, different things happening and big things could be on the horizon. Andy, you're talking about people are tired of the formulaic format. Finn, you were talking about how some of the big shows that people are really, you know, really hold in high regard. The wrestling wasn't great, but it's maybe the character work was better. And then, James, you've just said that SummerSlam 92 is pretty much not a great wrestling show, but there's a lot of nostalgia for it. So, like, is 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 what would need to happen to get something that big again, the, f- the the fact there would need to be more compelling characters and maybe the in-ring wrestling is not the most important thing? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, I've never thought it was the most important thing. So, and and um, I think you only have to uh, look. I think the potentially the the next big star in the business at the moment, in my opinion, is Velveteen Dream in NXT, and that that is because he is uh, a, a developed character already. But what is he's only twenty? Is he twenty two? Twenty two years old? It's phenomenal, really, yeah. how he's just kind of come out of nowhere from when he started out he was he was patrick clark wasn't he about two years ago and and you maybe didn't really see anything in him but he's just 
he's just developed that character and he's got so much he's got so much poise and so much um uh what if Finn used to call him in power slam he's got the intangibles that's it <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got all he's got everything everything it needs really uh, and he's just so incredibly over already with that crowd but you can see that transferring uh, to to the big arena and i think he's a perfect example he in the ring he's pretty good he's had some really good matches uh, I, th- I still think you know he needs work he's not quite as polished as he as he will be i think but it doesn't really matter because he's he's over and that that's that's what you need is you is you need guys who are going to connect with the audience it doesn't matter whether it's wwe or whether it's a tiny little show in a tent that that's that is the main principle of wrestling to me is to have uh, you know wrestlers that the people actually care about and they want to see do well they want to see them win or they want to see them lose Tommaso Ciampa is another great example I mean I watch NXT a lot and there's a reason for it because it is taking it back to those real it is real throwback wrestling when the characters were the be all and end all but the in-ring action is really good and the stories are very well developed and you can't believe it's the same company that's producing Raw and SmackDown most of the time. Well, that, well that's the problem, isn't it? Because when those guys end up on Raw and SmackDown, they become Vince's concern and the million writers' concern, and all of a sudden everyone wants to stamp their own mark on them. And as we've seen this year, everyone who's been called up's had a pretty much had a nightmare, you know. I think maybe with the exception of Drew. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think there? Like, in terms of Dream, I think you're right, but... It all depends on how Vince perceives him. I was, I was going to suggest, I was going to suggest a theory about like, is is there something to the idea that Triple H is running NXT and he got over in the Attitude Era, so maybe that's why that product reflects more of an era where people are getting over and they're developed because that's the environment he got over in. Yeah, I possibly. But I, I actually see it more as a throwback to to well before that. I, I think that the the episodic storytelling and 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 there's a you know Triple H was a big fan of uh, you know the the 80s sort of the, the territorial era and and I, and I and I see it very much you know that those kind of booking fingerprints all on it rather than the Attitude Era. Yeah, Triple H was a big fan of Crockett Promotions, um, huge fan of Ric Flair as we know, huge fan of the things that Dusty was doing. You go back and look at Crockett in '86. And uh, really quite a lot of 87. And uh, it's just amazing promotion with so many over characters. It always amazes me when you go back and look at some of the acts and how over they were. And you think to yourself, how the hell did this company go out of business? And the answer was because Dusty was spending so much money. He was spending more money than he was taking in. But if you look at the actual product, it's so over. The characters were so over. And I think Triple H is sort of modeling NXT on that, but giving it a, a very much a modern flavor. Um, just go back to, to what Greg was saying. I wholeheartedly concur. I mean, the Velveteen Dream, he's got the pizzazz, you know. But I think the, the most important thing he has is self-belief. He absolutely believes in himself and his character and his ring work. Uh, and I just hope that Vince believes in him as well when he gets called up. He's willing to take chances as well. I mean, obviously, he, he did that thing at uh, Takeover where he had "Call Me Up, Vince" on the tights, yes. and and you can you can bet that, that you know in in the in an era where a lot of the wrestlers are in the dressing room treading on eggshells, worried about the jobs, ninety five percent of them wouldn't have even had the gumption to. And I'm sure he did suggest that. I'm sure it was approved, but ninety five percent of them wouldn't have even had the gumption to suggest it. 
and it got him it got him noticed and uh, Austin's or has always been has been banging on about it on his on his podcast for years that that's the way to get over is to is to take chances and, and push the envelope and you know I think that was proof that he's willing to do that yeah Something else about uh, Velveteen Dream that I think's <clears throat> kind of funny is that, like, w- when he was, you know, he was over with NXT during the the Royal Albert Hall stuff, and I happened to be around the scenario where he was around, uh, but not in front of wrestling fans, and he was still the Velveteen Dream, and a woman came up to him. I feel like I can say this on here because it's, it's it's fine. This woman comes up to him who works for WWE, and she says, "Oh, hi, I'm whatever my name is." And he just looked at her and went, hello, the name's Dream. In front of <laughs> And this woman is, is literally trying to get him to do something of work, but he still maintains. And I, I think that's really important. That, like, There's so many guys who just, you know, you, they, they, as soon as they're out of the ring, they're just the guy behind the thing. But he is Velveteen Dream all over, and I think that's part of his charm is the mystique to him as well, and he keeps that up. Well, that's the problem with modern wrestlers in many ways, actually, is that they're all too quick to go onto Twitter and thank their opponent for the match or for the chops or for the, you know, for putting them over or whatever it might be. And it's like, man, kayfabe's dead, sure. You know, but it doesn't have to be that dead. And I, I like that. I mean, I think that Dreams doing that is great. If he does it around Vince or around some of the more belligerent characters in that main roster locker room, I suspect he'll be buried to high heaven because they'll feel threatened by him because that's kind of how it goes there. But I hope <laughs> not. Like, I hope not. Well, t- yeah. You would hope that somebody's going to smarten him up to that one. You know, you can't pull this when you get to the main roster. You need to be yeah. hands humble, you know, don't say anything, speak only when you're spoken to, etc. I can't imagine he's going to do that when he gets there on the main roster. I mean, I can't imagine he's going to do that to wrestlers, but the idea that he's doing it in front of staff when he, you know, he knows that there might be people. What I mean, I was there, right? I, I was, I was seeing what was happening. You know, I, how do I know two minutes later he didn't just kind of go, yeah, it's Patrick, you know? But like, but you don't know, and the fact that you don't know makes it kind of, uh, kind of interesting. He also put a thing out on Twitter recently. I don't know if you guys saw it, where he he basically wrote this thing about you know. If you're on TV and you complain that you're not getting over, you know, you're the only person to that can do it or whatever. And whether that's right or wrong, the idea that he's saying that kind of stuff, I'm sure will get him far. The fact that he's playing the game whenever, well, that's a bad choice of words. But, you know, well, you know what I mean. the other guys kind of have to work with him, though. That's the thing. And, and he's going to be relying on the other guys to work with him and, and help him get over because he's so green and they've got to put him over. And if he's, if they perceive that as him, being arrogant and insulting him and insulting them rather they might be less willing to to help out so it's it's a double-edged sword that one i think like fine line like very fine line and a lot of guys have come a cropper because of such lines in the past a lot of guys i don't think there's that many i mean talking about sort of older grizzled veteran sort of belligerent guys on the WWE roster. I think if you look at raw and SmackDown, there's certainly not as many as there were. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of racking my brains now trying to think of who might be, who might kind of fit into that, that category. There are a few, there are a few. Yeah, there are a few, but probably it's, it's not as bad as it, as it was. Sure. No, no, for, for sure. Like the roster is probably the most uh, serene it's ever been in that regard. You know, there's, you never hear of backstage fights and, you know, all this kind of crazy crazy road stories. Everyone's just playing video games and playing on the phone, I think. So, 
James, I was going to ask you about <clears throat> the one of the big articles in the magazine is, of course, the battle, the battle for Britain, the wrestling mm. war that's been going on. You kind of talk. You, I mean, I'm not going to give away all of it because obviously we want you to buy the magazine. Uh, but you sure. know. Um, you kind of give a backstory as to all the stuff that's kind of led us to this point. So what I thought we could do to kind of round this up is um, is all of us kind of talk a little bit about where we see the UK scene now and what parts of it excite us and, and I guess, where we hope that it could go. So Andy, I know that you've been quiet, getting away with just listening here. That's not happening anymore. Speak up, sir. This is your time. What do you make of... The last 12, 18 months, two years of all the stuff that's happened. What, what excites you about British wrestling right now? What's interesting to you, and where do you see it going? Well, I think it's just, uh, I think it's just great that people are are properly taking notice, um, and that. I mean, I was at uh, I was at Super Strong Style uh, Progress Show at uh, Ali Pali a few months ago. Um, and it's the the passion that, that that UK fans have. I don't think people really kind of realise that how much we care. Um, and I mean, with with WOS sort of being on ITV, it, it's it, I think people are really kind of starting to to realise that Brit, that British wrestling is is out there now. Um, and with with kind of guys like like Sabre Junior and Will Ospreay kind of doing doing incredible things in in New Japan and and wherever wherever else they're doing it people are kind of thinking okay well well this is sort of happening now and i mean it's been a shame with with kind of Neville and stuff um that he's had he's had his issues but hopefully now that now that he's out um he'll be another one who's going to really kind of make huge huge kind of Making a well, I don't know how to how to, how to describe it, but he, I think I feel like he can now kind of go out and make it make a huge impact, um, do a, do a bit of a Cody, um, but it's just it's it's great to see, um, and I think the fact that people like Wrestle Talk um, are taking such an active role in it, we're doing our our weekly reviews of it, and people are re- people are watching it and people are listening, um, and that, that they're not all going to be. Uh, people from Britain who watch WOS they're going to be people who are listening to it wanting to know more and I think that the the more people know the more people are going to pay attention to it um, which is always going to be really positive um, because w- w- what we want is that is for people in, in America and in the States in, in Canada wherever else that people watch wrestling to to understand that the British wrestling is brilliant um, and it's something I mean I've been to, to several shows uh wwe and whatever else it is and i cannot remember enjoying a show more than i did when i went to super strong style it was just lots of british guys few few guys from from abroad but lots of brilliant british guys um saber junior won the tournament and it was just an incredible night uh or sorry incredible weekend of of wrestling and i think that's something that people are going to really start paying attention to if if nxt uk actually is going to be a thing then um hopefully the the fans from the states are gonna gonna realize that uh we're more than just sort of quaint little old britain and that we are providing incredible stars they're gonna see the likes of pete dunn and tyler bait and trent seven the matches they've put on lately particularly um are gonna turn a lot of heads and i think that's it can only be a good thing uh greg i'm gonna come to you next because you're um, we would say in Scotland, you're knee deep in about it. Um, you are involved 
and various uh, things in British wrestling. Um, obviously, the, the news that came out about PCW going to be on TV. There's the Rev Pro news as well. You've been involved in, in wrestling promotions. Um, where, where, where is everything right now? And what, what's the kind of state of the British wrestling scene right now? Uh, not, not world of sport, but in terms of the other promotions that are starting to make these headwaves now and getting TV deals. I think um, scarily healthy, I think, is probably a good, a good way to, to describe it because it's kind of like you almost worry that think things are going so well that, the, that there's going to be a big bubble bursting at, at some at some stage. So, you know, you can never, never take it for granted. I think I think one thing to say is that the, the situation that we're at now is the culmination of a long period of a lot of people working very, very hard. Uh, both in the ring and also behind the scenes t- to get it to where it is now. And I also think it's uh, a real, you know, just reward for a lot of the wrestlers who've, you know, plied, plied their trade in, in small venues for years and years and years to, to now have some national recognition and, and a shot of making some, some decent money. And I think that's what it's always been about, really, is having a British wrestling scene where you don't have to travel, you know, uproot and travel thousands of miles and, uh, you know, move overseas to make a living. It, it's to have something over here where there, there is full-time work and there is exposure. And, and that's, that's where we're at now. Um, it, it's, ha- it's happening right now. And it's, it's really, exciting an exciting time i think to be involved in british wrestling and to be a fan of british wrestling and finn you and i just shameless plug here on the power slam podcast you can hear every week on itunes um we talk about various things whether it's wwe uh but we've 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 watched world of sport recently we've talked about how much we've been enjoying that um where do you see british wrestling right now you've you've been you know back in the hammerlock days you were doing interviews on in power slam you've been covering it for years um where is it now com- and compared to all the different time periods that you've covered it in the past? Oh, it's much bigger than it's ever been. I mean, everyone knows that. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously a huge... I think Greg's right. I mean, the, if you if you go back to sort of... At the end of Power Slam, we were starting to do more coverage. This was Greg's idea. Let me give him credit for that. We started covering British wrestling more. Looking back, we should have covered it more than we did. That's really one of my great regrets in the last year of Power Slam is that we didn't dedicate more coverage or allocate more coverage of British wrestling in the Power Slam magazine. Um, we did interviews with some of the big, some of the, the promotions that were uh, growing at the time, such as Mark Dallas, ICW. Uh, we also interviewed uh, Andy Quilden at uh, Rev Pro. We interviewed, was it Jim Smallman, Greg, uh, for Progress? I think you interviewed. Yes, that's right, yeah. So we did do a little bit, but we should have done more. But you go back and look at 2013, 2014, and it just felt like it was all coming together then. Here we are four, four and a half years later, and as Greg rightly pointed out, this is the culmination. Well, not the culmination. We don't know where it's going. It hasn't ended yet. This is, um, this is the uh, progression of a lot of hard work from a lot of very dedicated people who have gone into this with their eyes open. They've tried to build businesses slowly. They haven't tried to run before they can walk, which is a mistake we've seen many promotions make over the years, over the decades even. 
Um, so it hasn't just happened. It's been a very slow burn to get to where we are now. Um, what, what's impressed me look, on World of Sport Wrestling, um, we haven't really talked about that, is the characters. We've talked a lot about characters in this podcast. And I think some of these guys have really got the characters down so well. I mean, not just Grado, I mean, this person that everyone talks about. Uh, one person who really impressed me on this week's uh, World of Sport Wrestling was uh, Kip Sabian. Uh, and I thought the uh, I thought he was really good. I thought the Nathan Cruz and Adam Maxted um, tag team and storyline that they told there with Maxted being uncomfortable with the amount of healing that Nathan Cruz is doing. I think that's a really good storyline there. So I think there's a lot of good stuff going. Also, the action was really good. I thought both tag team matches on this week's episode of World Sport Wrestling were tip top. Really enjoyed them. So you've got the characters and you've got the wrestling as well. And I think that's key. You've got to have, you can't, you can't in order for it to be successful, I think you have to have both. Uh, as far as NXT UK goes, WWE obviously sees this right now as a buoyant market. They, they're well aware of what's going on. I mean, they have the deals, obviously, with Progress and ICW. We'll see where that goes for them. Uh, that's another story for another time. Uh, but WWE, you know, it sees the UK as a market that it wants to be a huge part of. It's quite interesting before you're asking about, can there ever be another huge mega show in this country? And you never know. Maybe WWE will do that if it believes, especially if it believes, that any UK promotions are getting too big. Maybe they're going to want to come in and stamp their authority on the, on the country and say, this is our turf. We are the top dogs here, and don't you forget it. Um, you know, World of Sport Wrestling's went up. World, World of Sport uh, Wrestling's ratings went up this week, which is obviously a, a really good sign for the show in terms of potential renewal. Um, you know, the more people who watch it, you know, the more people are likely to want to be part of it and want to get involved. And for us, the more people there are who are going to be likely to want to spend money on it, you know, which perhaps will keep us all in the job for a bit longer. So, yeah, I'm very excited about where British wrestling is. And I think more importantly, where it could go, because I think all the pieces are in place for it to get even bigger than it is right now. You know, it's, before I uh, go over to James, uh, it's funny, for, so for me, I've always been, as a kid and as growing up, I've always been a WWF or WWE fan, it's always what I've watched, it's always what I've enjoyed, and I remember in like 2012, uh, my friend was like, you need to come to this ICW show, and I'd always kind of skip through British wrestling, whenever it was in Power Slam, I just skipped past it, I didn't know anything about it, I didn't really have any interest in it, and I remember seeing Grado and going, this is brilliant. This guy, he's in worse physical condition than I am, and I was in bad <laughs> physical condition. And he and then he and he starts doing these videos. He wants to get booked, and I remember the thing that made me realize, oh, I'm starting to, I think I'm starting to like British wrestling. Is that I was living in London for a summer in 2012, and they announced that Gradle was going to get the chance to fight for the ICW Championship, and I looked at mega bus prices to come up to see it which if anybody knows me, I hate buses with a passion. The fact that I was even considering it was like, oh, this is great. I would go to more ICW shows. But the thing for me that really turned me around was when I worked at uh, WCPW and we were doing these shows and I'm, I'm starting to see guys like Martin Kirby who I'd never seen before uh, wrestle and, and, and you know see all these different people who hadn't been in the ICW 
uh, bubble, um, it just it felt like something was happening. And I remember we were doing a show where Drew Galloway had a match with Will Osprey, and I had such a buzz after that show that I almost felt like, why is everybody in the world not talking about this? It's so good, and um, and that's when I knew I'd kind of been bit by it. Um, so I I just hope that as much success can come as possible for everybody. That's just my, my hope. If you don't like uh, w- one promotion, like the fact that they're around means people get paid. Um, and, you know, there's something for everybody. There's promotions all everywhere, all up and down the country. So you can go see anything you want to see. Um, and there's different styles. Diff- you know, there's over 18 shows. There's family shows. Um, and I've, I've watched World of Sport. I've been very impressed with World of Sport. I was kind of dreading it. When it came back, so I was like, oh god, not that pilot again. But it actually, I think the things that people didn't like in the pilot, it got rid of. And I thought that was important. And I I think it deserves a second series. So I hope it gets it. And I think that that will just help uh, the wrestlers. It will help NXT UK. It will help everybody uh, who wants to work in British wrestling. Uh, it's an exciting time. And I feel like you can put a guy like Pete Dunne, something that annoys me a little bit about WWE, just a very quick rant, is that it's not really a fully formed world anymore. It used to be that if you were in WWE, you know, if uh, Al Snow comes in, he might cross paths with The Rock. But if Pete Dunne comes in and he can kill people, he can't cross paths with Brock Lesnar. That can't happen. They're in this same world, but they're, they're barriers that keep them apart. And I think that's a bit of a shame that that happens. Whereas in British wrestling, anything can happen. You, you never know. So I think that's something that British wrestling's also got going for it. So now that I've rambled for a long, long time, um, James, I'm going to come to you and address uh, two questions. First of all, is the the, the elephant in the room? Um, obviously, mm. last year we had the five star wrestling experience that happened, mm. and yeah. I wanted to ask you because about that because I feel like a lot of people who I know who aren't involved in working in wrestling kind of were scratching their heads at like like you know can't can't people see that this isn't going to work in the way that it's being presented or whatever? So my question, I guess, is if a company like Five Star, who have the best intentions and bring good people in and all that kind of stuff, and it doesn't work, and it kind of there's a, a lot of press about it not working and why it didn't, does that hurt British wrestling? And has British wrestling had to work a lot to come back from that kind of thing? Um, I mean, it was it was a drop in the ocean, you know, of, of thirty years worth of work from a lot of people. So I don't think it had a, a great effect. I mean, they they had good intentions. They were, wanted to get wrestling back on TV, and they did that for a couple of weeks. And just unfortunately, they were trying to do things the other way around. You know, they're trying to create a buzz by being on TV rather than going on TV because they already had a buzz, I guess. And I, I don't think it damaged anything. You know, like, look at what's happened since then. You know, RevPro's uh, taken over that, that slot, essentially, because it's going to be on the same channel. And, and PCW's got TV now as well. And we've got, you know, so many Brits employed, as we've already talked about, full-time, you know, as well. Because I remember years ago, there was no full-time British wrestlers, or, or barely any. And and now you've got 50, 60, maybe more. Even guys who aren't on WWE or, or WOS or wherever, you know, you can make a full-time living being a British wrestler just on the indies over here now, which is a remarkable thing. So I, I don't think... Five stars made any difference in terms of damaging British wrestling. Uh, I think what will damage British wrestling if it get is is itself. Ironically, if it gets too big, the bigger it gets, the more likely WWE are to come after it and 
try and, as Finn said, stamp their own authority on it and take it for themselves. And I think there's an element of that already with NXT UK that they've tried to do that. And they they need to realize, I guess, that the best thing for them is WOS and wrestling in general to outside of their bubble to do well because as we've seen in the past when they've got competition they tend to thrive more and it's good for the whole scene it's good for other promoters if everything's doing well if if nxt uk wins this this wrestling war i don't think that is a good thing for the wrestling scene because i think they'll get sick of it because there's no longer anything to stamp out and then they'll move on to something else which because i think we all know that vince gets fads you know and and he changes his mind and changes his focus quite quickly so i yeah i i think it's i think it's a very positive time for british wrestling but i think there's that element of caution of you know hopefully everything else can still thrive in spite of wwe i don't think wwe coming over to this country and piggybacking off its success that was made without them is necessarily a positive thing at all and I guess my my last question for you is that in terms of you know Wrestle Talk magazine, we've, we're now kind of at the, the the end of the first year of Wrestle Talk magazine. If we were to go forward twelve months, um, what are some of the kind of things that you think could happen? Is the sky the limit? Are there, are there do you think is the big thing going to be basically you know World of Sport NXT UK? Um, what, what's in the future? Um, you know, from where this article finishes off, what is the future? Do you think for British wrestling? Well, if if WOS gets renewed and and carries on, and if it's still around in a year's time, and it's been on you know weekly or every or for a couple of weeks out of the year or whatever, then I think you'll see that other local British promotions, especially family orientated promotions, you know, of a similar kind of audience demographic as WOS, I think they will thrive. I think it'll help them because it's going to you know suddenly the the british wrestlers on tv become the equivalent of the import stars rather than having to bring guys over from america or japan or wherever so it could change the whole dynamic of the british wrestling scene and nxt uk if that thrives and those guys are allowed to keep working elsewhere then having those on your shows is going to you know help you draw well as well i would think and it'll just be the fact that more people would be talking about it so if those two things are a constant ongoing thing and they're seen by a lot of people, then wrestling in general is going to be talked about a whole lot more. And that's obviously good for it's good for the magazine. It's good for the website. It's good for your shows. It's good for podcasts. It's good for everything. It's good for all the promotions. So that's where it, it could go. But until we sort of know, you know, is there going to be another WS? Where's NXT UK going to air? How's this progress ICW relationship with WWE going to pan out and new japan gonna come over again because new japan and rev pro did very well in drawing when when they came up without the likes of omega and cody and you know tanahashi so they may want to come over and do something else it's it's everybody wants a piece of the pie i think we just need to be very careful that it doesn't get too oversaturated and that you know there's only so many pieces of that pie to have and you're you're the editor. What are your kind of final words on you know six issues down? Um, wh- wh- how are you, how are you feeling so far about it, and wh- what are your hopes for the future of the magazine? Um, I I mean I've I've had a great great time doing it. Finn warned me how much work it was going to be, and he was right. You know, times a million. But it's very rewarding to finally get it in your hands. I think and 
and to know that other people are getting to to read it and experience the same kind of feelings hopefully that I was when I was growing up and and that a lot of wrestling fans were and that's we've kind of started this um I wouldn't call it a movement as such but this ethos really of keep wrestling print media alive you know that's kind of the the slogan now because I think there is there's a lot of people out there who care about wrestling print media and we want to be part of that you know we want to still be doing this in a year we want to still be doing this in 20 years and you know covering everything british wrestling japanese wrestling american wrestling everything that there is to cover we want to be on the pulse and talking about it and and you know coming into people's homes with our magazine and them sitting and reading it and pouring through the pages and learning stuff they never knew before and and all that kind of good stuff that we all experience so that, I mean, that's as far as the future. Yeah, I, I, we want to do this forever, really. That's that's the dream, I guess. Or, or as long as we can tolerate watching it, I suppose. There you go. So I guess as we kind of finish off here, um, if, if you've been living under a rock, it's wrestletalk.bigcartel.com where you can uh, buy either print or digital editions of the magazine. You can get a year's subscription for only £30. Uh, but I want to go around the, the guys here and just get you guys to give your, your social media handles so people can get in touch with you and follow what you do. So, Greg, up, you're up first. Where can people get in touch with you on social media? Uh, they can get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter, which is at Lambert Live. 72 uh which is not my age i hasten to add it's, it's, the year. it's nearly because it's the year i was born um, and uh, also i'm on uh, facebook uh, which is lambert live hyphen greg lambert there you go andy it's time for you to speak again where can we find it you is if yes we want to look uh, for you? no i i am available uh, as many people who follow our wrestle talk will know on uh, at horns bloggle uh, which is the name of a blog i used to write so it's just uh, it's like horns woggle but bloggle um and uh i'm not going to give up my facebook because that's uh, that's particularly private but uh yeah no that's where you can get me you can dm me all of your hatred there you go Fen. You are the king of print media. Um, where can people find you if they want to uh, finally see a picture of you? Because now you have pictures. Never knew what you looked like in the 90s. Oh, um, yeah, I, thought, I thought you were the guy with the pictures, Kenny. That's what you were telling us at the start of this podcast. <laughs> well, you've all, you've all passed the, the next test. So I don't need to reveal the pictures yet. So well done, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. Yeah, my Twitter is Finley Martin, and my uh, website, if you wish to check it out, is uh, finleymartin.co.uk. Uh, you can find me at KennyMC1985 and also check out all the Inside the Rope stuff from there. Uh, tours with Edge and Pat Patterson and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, James, where can people find uh, you? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really understand what this Twitter machine is, Kenny. What's it all about? So basically, what happens is you you put your thoughts out there. Well, sometimes, angry, sometimes exclusively you, angry thoughts, right? I think what we've learned is you need to think about what you tweet first before you tweet it. Um, but uh, yeah, well, people can go. Well, to, I shall be doing that at J Dixon Writer. There you go. In case you were under any illusion, what other J Dixon you were getting? It's J Dixon Writer. Yes. Correct. Um, so we'll be back here in a year uh, to do this again. Um, probably... We'll be back in four months when we have to discuss the top 100 again. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.